Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. I always tell you, leave with your gifts and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. Those are the guests that I bring on my show. For you as a consumer and business owner, I'm giving you access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is... She's a celebrity, she's a CEO, she's an entrepreneur, and she truly is an industry decision maker. Her name is Deborah Martin Chase. She's the president and CEO of Martin Chase Productions. She's currently the executive producer of one of my favorite shows, The Equalizer, the TV series for CBS and Universal Studios starring my girl, Queen Latifah, that premiered on Super Bowl Sunday. The Equalizer currently airs Every Sunday, you can check it, 8 p.m. 7 Central, again on CBS. Now let's talk about Deborah Martin Chase. Entertainer industry icon, trailblazer is the first African-American female producer to have a deal at any major studio ever. I was there. I was watching. That's when I was writing on sitcoms. I was going, who is she? Will I ever meet her? She's also the first African-American woman to produce a film that grossed over $100 million. That was Denzel's Washington Courage Under Fire. To date, her films have grossed over a half billion dollars at the box office. I only got two movies, you know, Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man too. I think I did $150 million, so I ain't close to her. About six years ago, nobody was interested in making movies about women or people of color. My, how the landscape has changed for black people and creatives in Hollywood. Please welcome the Monday making some conversation to talk about it, my friend and Houstonian, Deborah Martin Chase. <laughs> so thank you so much. Such kind words. Thank you. Well, first of all, the three, the, the like I'm Rashawn McDonald. Now, Deborah Martin Chase. How did it become three names? Chase. Well, that's the Houston part. Okay. okay. <laughs> Chase is the Houston part. I was married uh, when I got out of law school and moved to Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and since it was the beginning of my career, I kept the chase. Okay. And, and as I told you, I still have great friends in Houston and a great love of the city. And it's all part of who I am. Well, part of who you are has been a person that, uh, like I said, I, my first sitcom job was with Steve Harvey on, uh, I think it was 93 on ABC, Me and the Boys. And then I did uh, Parenthood with Robert Townsend. In the meantime, you were already breaking grounds for a very successful career. And let's talk about, because you started out in law. And I started right. out at yes. IBM. I was an IBM. My degree is in mathematics. So I can kind of relate to an extreme change because mine was math. At least yours was law. And it kind of correlates with, uh, you know, contracts and the business side that goes along with being an executive producer and a person who runs things behind the scenes. Talk about that transition. First about the law experience and then transitioning into Hollywood. Sure. Well, I, um, you know, my beloved late dad, was the biggest film and television buff that I ever knew. And mm-hmm. so I grew up in a household where we watched films and we watched TV together. And I was that kid that went to the movie theater every Saturday and stayed until 
you know, my mother came to get me. Uh, but I didn't know anybody in the business. I didn't know anybody, certainly anybody who looked like me that was behind the scenes in Hollywood. And so I went to law school because, you know, I needed to prepare myself for the world. And, you know, I went to Harvard Law School and, and I started practicing law at big firms and big corporations. And I was a really good lawyer, but I didn't love it. Right. And I just figured, you know, if I'm going to work this hard, I should go after my dream, which was to make film and television. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, and I went, and when I left, I remember I was, I was in New York at the time and I was working at Avon products and <laughs> my friends were like, oh, you'll be back. You'll be back. But I was like, mm -mm, I, I'm, I'm going to give this my best shot. Here I am. Now, here's interesting because I'm going to skip around a little bit because I want to get definitely get back to the equalizer and then talk about your career. Uh, roughly, I was reading this article. I think it was in uh, Hollywood Reporter and it was talking about roughly six years ago. You know, the landscape was kind of frustrating for you and you were considering other options other than entertainment. Am I correcting what I was reading? Yeah, absolutely. And so at, at that point, law was looking like an option again. And then yeah, all of a sudden, two things. I, I certainly considered it. You know, I got in this business because when I was growing up, I did not see people on screen who looked or felt like me. Right. And so I wanted to break down stereotypes. I wanted to to create images that would empower us and would help people to understand that, you know, they had the power to do whatever they wanted to do in life and to, and to make their own dreams come true. And there was a period in Hollywood and, you know, right. where, you know, people weren't interested in making movies about women, about people of color. It was all about the big tentpole movies and, and, and action movies. And I would walk into offices and people's eyes would glaze over <laughs> when I told mm -hmm. them, you know, what I was thinking about. And, I, and so then you just start throwing stuff up against the wall that has no meaning. And that's not how I work. That's not to me, that's, that, that is not the, the road to success. And so I was kind of, I got to the point where I said, well, you know, maybe the universe is telling me that, you know, you've had a good run, but maybe it's time to think about doing something else. I, 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 honestly, this is a good story and it's true. And I spent about a year just talking to people because I'd had the luxury of being at Disney, um, you know, have my company based at Disney for, you know, 20 years right. and and I was thinking about what I should do and where I should go and Vernon Jordan you know who we just lost had mm -hmm. been a friend and an advisor of mine since I was 18 years old his his, his daughter's one of my best friends and and I went to go see Vernon as I often did and I told Vernon how I was feeling and I was thinking about doing other other things maybe going back to practice law and Vernon heard me very calmly, listened to me, <laughs> pour my heart out. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you're too old to do anything else. You need to, you need to figure out you've invested a lot in yes. film and television and figure out how to make that work. And he was right. You know, it's really uh, interesting that because, uh, you know, when I left IBM and, you know, the whole thought process, you can go back, you know, you are, you you've mastered the corporate space. That's always an option. But it really is about moving forward. That's all he's telling you. Going back with well, why? Well, what's that? You know, a lot more confusion, a lot more unknown when you're great. You're fantastic now. Well, but that was just one conversation. But what happened that really 
sent you forward in a positive direction that, yes, I can do this again. Yes, this is what I've been born to do. This is what this is my dream. There's a combination of realizing that there were stories that I still very much wanted to tell. And frankly, that the business, as I was going through my kind of soul searching process, the business started changing and Hollywood finally realized what you and I have been telling it for (laughs) and many others have been telling it for years that diversity was not just the right thing to do, but that it was good business. And once Hollywood figured out, that there was money that was being left on the table mm-hmm. by not, you know, telling stories about people of color that, you know, people of all ethnicities, you know, white people, black people, Asian people would go see good stories about people of color and about women. It opened up the, 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 the door and now it's, you know, it's still, we still have a long way to go. Right. But my God, I mean, look at the number of movies that have been made in the last few years. Look at what's going on in TV. It's really exciting. And so it's funny. And I, it took me about six years to get Harriet made. And Harriet kind of covered that territory from the beginning where people were like, oh, historical movie about a <laughs> black woman. I don't know. To, you know, towards the end, it was like, oh, yes, you know, hidden figures that happened and that yes. made a lot of money. It was like they could see the potential of telling an action story right. about a woman of color. You know, it's really interesting so, because, you know, because you, you were like me, we were there. I'm a writer, you're a producer, you're a writer, too. And so from that standpoint, we went through that whole reality series, you know, where yes. black people, especially black women, were not featured in a very... Uh, favorable manner. You do fighting, cussing, drinking, partying. And so Oh my God. So so with that process, I know you had to be really sick to your stomach that that period right there. And I'm not saying reality shows have changed that much, but now we have dramas and comedies and docuseries that allows us to give a solid balance and tell black stories better. But that period, because I was doing the neighborhood awards with Steve Harvey and we we couldn't even get really presenters. Because there weren't any black celebrities on TV or in the business. It was really a dark period. So from a creative standpoint, I know what led you to that thought process. Because guess what? Hollywood wasn't even trying to put a scripted idea in a black person's hand. At all. Like I said, literally, I'm sitting here as I'm talking. I can remember the meetings where people's eyes, they just would glaze over. They just... (laughs) like had no appreciation for, for, you know, what I was talking about and no interest, no interest, you know, and part of, and and I, you know, and frankly, one of the things is Los Angeles is a very segregated city. And I think that, you know, while the rest of the, the, the country was, more integrated and kind of in, in embracing different cultures. LA was slow to come to the table to understand that that many people are interested in the stories of all people. Now let's let's, let's get back to you know why you really came on the show. You come on the show to talk to Rashawn. You got this hit show on TV called The Equalizer with Queen Latifah. Uh, now I'll ask you this for my first question: is premiering after the Super Bowl. I know. Okay, okay, Deborah. Okay, Deborah, you've done a lot of great things in your life. Okay, certain phone calls come to you. You're like, you got to be kidding. When? How did that? How did that opportunity break for you? And how did you react? Or where were you at when they told you that your series was going to premiere was going to be after the Super Bowl? So funny. We were we were shooting because we we are um, 
we are well, we are based at the Izod Center at the Meadowlands in New Jersey. This is below me uh, is the arena floor and our standing sets are there. My office here is a skybox at the Izod Center. And we do some exteriors in, in New York, but we shoot a lot in New Jersey. Right. That night we were in Bayonne, New Jersey at an oil supply field that was nasty it was Mm -hmm. freezing cold Mm -hmm. and i got this text from the head of drama at universal television saying you know um we need to have a call immediately with cbs you know can you get the other executive producers together and and in 15 minutes and we were like okay and we really didn't know what the call was we were like oh my god know over budget (laughs) you know (laughs) like that and uh george cheeks who is the head of cbs was on the call and he said guys i have good news for you we believe in this show we believed in it from the very beginning and we're putting you after the super bowl and we were just like oh my you know it's like "Ah, oh my god um it's huge it was huge it was huge uh, you know, and I, and I saw the premiere and I've, I've been following the series ever since. And, you know, when it was announced, you know, you know, you had Denzel and he had the original series and Queen Latifah, you know, because I know the role has some type of physicality tied to it if you want to have some type of credibility. And so my original thought was, can Queen Latifah handle the physicality tied to this role? And I'm telling you. Uh, from the pilot series on, where she walked in that uh, with a room where the, where the where the young lady was taken in, and she yeah 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 I and and she broke off, took the gun, kicked him in the corner, shot him, and and walked out of that. Went okay, this is a hit series right here. This is a hit series <laughs> because you know it's, everything's tied to credibility, and to me Absolutely. that was the credibility moment for me in this series. And walk us through that whole process of bringing Queen Latifah on board, talking about the physicality and her rise into the occasion. You know, so funny. So our show, you know, the Denzel movie franchise is is great and has been enormously successful. Mm -hmm. They took the basic idea and, and, and built from there. Right. Our show is based on the original 1980s show. Those are the rights that we have. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, you know, Dana and I go way back. We actually actually shot Just Right, portions of Just Right, the movie we did together here at the Izod Center, which is really, you know, great symmetry. And I've been trying to get back in business together. And I brought her in to have a meeting with Universal TV where I have my deal. And Perlina Ibokwe, who was the head of UTV then, is now the head of the Universal Studio Group, an amazing, you know, black woman was there and she said, you know, Queen Latifah, we have a few ideas for you. Right. That we want to talk to you about. And the first one was was Equalizer. And honest to God, there was a moment of silence. And then Dana said, yes. <laughs> like, like <laughs> I, and I think everybody in the room could see her in the role. It just made sense. And then you know, we, we have amazing showrunners, Terry Miller and Andrew Marlowe, and they and our other executive producers, we all got to, the role was built for her. Right. We right. spent a lot of time talking about what the show should be, what the role should be. You know, then Queen Latifah spent time on her own with the creators of the show. So they really got a sense of her and her voice and crafted a character that reflected who she was, her essence, her strength 
and, and, and her beauty. Uh, but, you know, from the very beginning, it was really important to all of us and, and really important to Queen Latifah, to your point, that the action be credible. Right. She was like, I got, you know, I got a, I got a brand, I got an image, <laughs> I cannot go out there half-baked. So yeah. she trained. We have experts that she works with, with the, for the guns. Mm-hmm. And those fight sequences, she does a lot of it herself. Uh, and she's great. It's great. I think it's great. And the, obviously, she rides motorcycles in real life. So right. that we 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 put that in there because we knew that was organic to her. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the thing about it is, first of all, you, you said beauty, beautiful. You know, everybody got HD, 4K, 5K, whatever. I'm looking at I look at that show and I go, she looks fantastic. Yeah. She is absolutely a beautiful woman. I'm going, by the way, you're very beautiful as well. You look fantastic as well. I'm I'm trying to figure out what cream y'all doing over that set. (laughs) So I could just roll up in that little jersey and say, can you put some on Rashawn? Because I looked at, because I'm going like, because that, you know, that, 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 that captured me in the pilot in every episode is how great she looks. Her skin looks fantastic. And that carry, carries over, I think, into the, the way she carries herself through the series, you know, she carries herself as a very confident person. Then she has the issues with her daughter, which humanizes her, it right. makes her vulnerable and makes her not feel so perfect. Is that, you know, in the streets? That's precisely the point. Mm-hmm. And, and because what she, re- Robin McCall represents most women right. who have to balance career and family and personal life. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in this case, it's, you know, she's former CIA agent who's, you know, kicking butt on a regular basis. But it's just, you know, it, it's exaggerated by TV terms, but it's a real, it's a real balancing act that every woman does, juggling. And I think that is what makes her very relatable to both men and women. Men are juggling too, you know, it, our, our lives are complicated. And so we like to say, you know, she can take down the baddest criminal, right. but she can't. It's hard for her to stand up to her sixteen-year-old daughter. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's real. And that's that's the beauty of when you when you build in our characters, and that, and you've been known for developing characters and, oh, and and making sure the characters are flushed out. And that's what I appreciate that because I hate sitting down watching a movie, or and I'm not engaged, or the character doesn't get me emotionally attached right. to their problems. And that's really what really is one of the one of the true successes behind the equalizer, correct? Yes. Yeah, because she's a fully fleshed out human human being, woman, uh, as you'll see, you know, we've got romance coming and, and everything else. But yes, I mean, I believe character comes first. Right. Because if you can relate to the people, then you then you will take any journey with them. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that's something, I mean, I've always been a storyteller and I've you know, was a voracious reader growing up. But also, you know, I ran Denzel Washington's company early on in my career. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things I learned from him was how to approach things from the character perspective. And, And, and I, you know, it is how I live. Now you get this big opportunity. We're coming into 2021. I'm going to have a conversation about COVID-19 and the production and how you ramping up. Because, you know, uh, medical safety, safety of the cast and safety of the production team is, is what what moments are in the beginning and what moments that, that have allowed you to have more freedom now in the production of the show, The Equalizer? 
Well, listen, it's been a challenge. It's a challenge for, for everybody who's in production right now. It's enormously expensive. Yes, it is. Uh, we, I test every day, as does a significant portion of our crew. And certainly anybody who comes in contact with the actors, because the actors are, I'm, you know, there's no show without the actors, but they're the most vulnerable because they have to work with no masks on. So we've got... Um, you know, and, and 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 everything is slower. Yes, you know, is. location scouting is slower. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that everybody has to test takes time out of your day. Um, you've got, you know, we've got masks and shields on all day long. So funny, we always laugh and say at some point, you know, we're going to be able to take these off and we won't recognize each other. <laughs> because we have yes, to see yes, yes. most of my crew without a mask on. So it's a, and, and also, you know, particularly in the beginning, because we started shooting November 9th when it was a, a different time. There was no vaccine yet. People are scared. I know. And so that, you know, they're nervous and, and they're nervous about being. I mean, I, most of us have gone from being in our homes, relatively isolated with a little bubble to I work with 200 people every day in an arena, which is a luxury in these times, yes, it is. but you know, in the beginning, people were scared and nervous yeah. and like, Oh my God, am I going to, you know, is this, am I going to get sick? Mm-hmm. So, um, universal NBC universal has been incredibly responsible and CBS and safety has really come first, but it's tough. You know, the thing about it is that when I look at, you know, we talked about our frustrations and seeing, you know, scripted and, uh, black storytelling, you know, cast aside for reality. And then, but I, I think that it was really helped us is the streaming industry, streaming television, the, the, the need for content. And then when the content was presented, we delivered. Talk about the, the, the change and the shift in the industry and how it has impacted in a very good way, black programming. Absolutely. And kind of the fundamental difference is the movie studios have moved to making tentpole movies that appeal to the widest possible audience globally. And that's, that's how they justify their, you know, their cost structure and, and how they make money. The network television similarly is making shows that appeal to the widest possible audience and that appeal globally. So you're not, you know, to find distinctive voices to support those in those environments is really hard. Whereas streaming on the other hand is more about niche marketing. Mm -hmm. And so you can have, uh, you know, insecure, which well, it's on HBO, but still, you know, cable, cable and streaming, which is all the same now because HBO plus, because HBO plus doesn't, you know, doesn't have 8 million viewers every week, but has a very loyal following and is a hit. In right. that sense, right? Because it's all they just, you know, the the streamers and and premium cable, they're about subscribers. Right. So if they can, if a show appeals to a certain, you know, subscriber piece of the of the base, and they are loyal followers, that's that's what their business is to to build up those different audiences into one great audience. And so it's been hugely beneficial to diverse storytellers. It really is pressure. Like you were saying, HBO and Insecure and now they're in the HBO Max, which is their streaming affiliate. And really, they're building that out more than they're building out HBO because the content can be found on HBO Max. And the beauty of what I like about Deborah, about the whole 
world of streaming is that you know from a movie 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 selling if you're a black lead it was going to be domestic they wouldn't even walk internationally with you and Absolutely. so so it became a self-fulfilling prophecy right mm -hmm, right and so but you like i'm just using netflix as an example 180 countries so when they premiere a black project on netflix it premieres in 190 countries. So there's no discrimination about the content and everybody gets an equal chance to enjoy the product. And I really feel that that's where we're going with it. And that's when I say my have times change and my have times change is really tan is really tied to the content avenues that we get to tell our stories. And it's great people like you, Deborah Martin Chase, that are telling it. They've changed. Times have changed tremendously, <laughs> and again, I think it's it 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 is it is the streaming and cable and 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 a different appetite and the demand for mm -hmm. content. I mean, it, you know, content is needed mm -hmm. across the board. And it's, it's really also a realization that people will that you know that white people will watch shows with a black lead. That's I mean, Shonda. You know, her shows are really important in, in the dynamic of all this because Grey's Anatomy came on with the, that fabulously diverse cast. It was right. a huge hit. Right. And people were like, oh, okay. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be just one one that one black person. Right. It can be pe black people in major roles. Then Scandal. Scandal was huge because, mm -hmm. you know, it was like the second show on network TV that had a ABC. female black mm -hmm. lead. Mm -hmm. and, and, and ABC was nervous at first, but to the credit, you know, you had Shonda, you had Channing Dungey was there, that was head of drama. And you had the fact that, that Olivia Pope was loosely based upon Judy Smith, the very successful black crisis publicist. So it was hard not to cast a black woman. And that was a huge success. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of went from there. So, it's look. I'm just. I'm happy that I'm still in the in business right now <laughs> to take advantage of where we are right now. Well, first of all, you are fantastic. I want to thank you for coming on the series uh, Money Making Conversation to Talk, The Equalizer, starring Queen Latifah. Every Sunday, you got a hit show on my on your hands. Every Sunday, eight o'clock after sixty minutes. CBS again it gave us great real sell estate. Selling, selling, so sell we are. Um, you know, please keep coming. Thank you so much for everybody for your support. We appreciate it. We're working hard to continue to make a great show. And and thank you. Well, you know, uh, I don't out of my closing, you know, we got the Queen B, Beyonce out of Houston. Now we got the Queen C. That's uh, <laughs> Deborah Martin Chase out of Houston. Third Ward, Texas, y'all. Third, my oh, own, my own so Queen C, right? I own on the air with Queen C here. Deborah Martin Chase. Third Ward, Texas, y'all. I came from Fifth Ward, so three and five, that makes eight. We good. Thank you for coming on the show, Deborah Martin Chase. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been such fun talking to you. <laughs> You're great. Yeah, I love it. And, and tell Queen Latifah, we've been trying to get her on Steve Harvey. I mean, uh, Steve, Stephen A's World, because we want, because we want to help promote the show. So we're going to reach okay. out again. Listen, it was like, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We, we're going to reach out again because she had, it was a conflict in the schedule, but we definitely want to promote uh, your brand because Stephen, Stephen, Stephen A is a big fan of yours, Deborah, and a tremendous fan of Queen Latifah. And any way I can promote positive black projects, and this is an amazingly great black project held by an amazing black iconic figure in the entertainment industry named Devin Martin Chase. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to hear more interviews or see more interviews and Money Making Conversations, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.